Welcome to Probably Science. My name's Andy Wood. I'm joined by Matt Kirshen. Hey, Andy. How you doing? I'm good. Nice. Excellent. That's a bit of a lie. We're all... <laughs> There's a party last night. Yeah, yeah. We're a little bit... <laughs> These are a little slow. I'm great. I'm great. I just... I, I am kind of feeling... You know that point where you wake up with a hangover and you get some food and maybe some painkillers in you and some liquid yeah. that is an alcohol and then there's a point where you go like... Well, I still feel shit, but I feel substantially less shit than I did right, right. an hour ago. So that's kind of like feeling good. I, my only bummer this morning was just that I happened to wake up and lie in bed for like 10 seconds thinking like, I hope I'm going to look over at the clock and I'll have another hour. And then like my alarm went off right then. Like, I got like two seconds of, uh, oh, so I guess this is it. I'm I, getting up. There's no better feeling. There's no better feeling than waking up and realizing you've got another. Yeah didn't like, happen this morning and it was not an early alarm i should also mention <laughs> that this was not like a 7 a.m uh yeah this was comedian time alarm very reasonable hour for anybody else <laughs> uh so it's um it's a big week for the probably science family in that jesse uh jesse case our third host any new listeners who just uh started listening in the last couple months um jesse case our usual third host is out in nashville getting treatment right now for uh surprise cancer that he found out about um back in early june and is, is any cancer not surprise i guess it's all surprise cancer. <laughs> it's like god i knew this was coming yeah yeah um so he's been back getting expert treatment at vanderbilt and he started his own podcast called jesse versus cancer any of you who don't listen should go check that out jesse versus cancer.com or look it up in itunes and he just found out uh some good news his cancer shrinkage uh is is happening his is the tumors are shrinking he's been on chemo now for almost two months and um and he's on he, pretty hardcore chemo because he's yeah. i think they realize he's young so his body can take and then Ridiculous from, from, stuff. from what he says, it's the worst pain imaginable. Yep. It's, I asked him if it's comparable to anything else anything else he'd experienced in life, and he said, no, it's just the worst. Um, but he he has 70% shrinkage in, in his tumors, so that's amazing. Congrats, and he'll find out in the next couple of days uh, what that means as far as the next steps, if they're going to operate soon or what. But um, yeah, any of you who don't listen already should go check that out, because I was talking to him about this, and I, I assumed there was a lot of crossover, and he has a, like a pretty decent following considering how new the show is, but... Only he thinks only about a fifth of his listeners came from probably science, which is still great. But uh, I I think it's amazing that that means the rest came from like cancer forums and like people that didn't even know him comedy wise. And I just love picturing, I don't know, just picturing some like. Uh, well, there's, there was definitely a bit of, I'm sure, like a there were a few people who really weren't expecting that type right. of show. If you come to it like, all right, I'm gonna hear about. One man's brave journey through treatment and there's bullshit fake Dodge commercials in the middle and some of the funniest stuff and also some of the yeah yeah, super interesting really cool and just listen to it go go and listen it covers all it's funny but it also is poignant and it does get real about about his cancer but it's also Jesse so it's never too it's It's, pretty irreverent no (laughs) hold on to your sides (laughs) it's it's incredibly honest in every sense 
Um, we've got a guest. Yes, we do. Oh, hey, we, we do have an, an, another announcement. Oh, before yeah. We get. Uh, before we get into it, I wanted to remind everybody that uh, we are going to be performing again at the Los Angeles Podcast Festival, which is happening September 18th through 20th, and it's at the Sofitel in Beverly Hills. You can go to LAPodfest.com for tickets and info. If you can't go live, you can also watch us on the live video stream. You can get access to that for the entire weekend all 35 shows or so. And for like three weeks afterwards as well. Yeah, and that only costs $25, but it comes down to $20 if you use the code SCIENCE. Uh, so go to LAPodfest.com and yeah, check it out. There's a lot of great shows. Mark Maron's there, Paul F. Tompkins, Janet Varney, Lauren Lapkus, uh, Aisha Tyler, all the all the greats doing all the great shows. Um, but make sure you use our code rather than theirs because yes. fuck those greats. Fuck those shows. <laughs> use the code SCIENCE or come see us in person. So who's our guest, Andy? Our guest, uh, very funny, uh, alumnus of, oh, sorry, someone oh, no. we were drinking with last yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone we just grabbed. <laughs> so we just it was grabbed. a big comedy party. We were like, we should get a guest from here because everyone around is hilarious. It was a three-way comedy birthday party happening last night. And then I just found out Nick Lachey was there. Yeah. I didn't see him, but uh, former um, ex-husband of Jessica Simpson. Oh, okay. I guess he's friends with Tone. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I okay. You carry on introducing Jesse. While okay. I, yes. Uh, so that, while so I look we are, up who this person is. You, you know who Nick Lachey is. <laughs> we are I? here with the very funny Jesse Pop. Hello, everyone. Thank, Thank you. You may have seen Jesse on Conan uh, in his Comedy Central half hour. Very funny man about town. Might have seen him uh, partying with Nick Lachey last yeah. night. Yeah, the kids bit of birthday parties. Now I'm here. That's. <laughs> You are uh, rel- not even relatively new. You've been in LA for what two or three years now. You know, I it feels like two, but it's actually closer to four, I think. Oh, so yeah, as long yeah. as I have, why do yeah, I yeah. think you're new to town? I think of you as a New York comic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's funny. It's t- I don't know. I was talking about with it someone last night. I think it's because the weather is the same. It sounds cliche, but I think since the weather never changes, you lose track of time. You don't have a marker. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like... I- I've been here for maybe a year and a half. Oh, like in New years. York, you're like I've been there for three winters. So yeah, I yeah, yeah, every one of them. <laughs> they're spraying. They're so like, uh, there's all these times. Like, wait, was that March? Was that August? I don't know. And then it's before you know it, it's 2015. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't believe it either. Just it's... a brief update on uh, Nick Lachey news. Still have no idea who he is, having read his entire Wikipedia. Really? Page well, maybe his reality show was before. I mean, he was in a boy band, but that wouldn't have been on your on Which your radar. Which boy band was he in? 98, 98 degrees, degrees right? I think. Okay. And then he had a reality show. Uh, one of the early one of the early ones like pre Kardashian thing with um Jessica Simpson when they got married cool because they were both pretty it. young and pretty dumb and she had a bunch of really quotable dumb moments like when she was confused by chicken of the sea brand tuna when she was shopping and she kept... I remember that being a thing yeah and there was but... an SNL parody of it okay yeah they were selling i think um uh fish of the jungle brand bananas or like <laughs> It is a ridiculous name. Like, it's no, a- I think it's just trying to be like, trying to get you to know that this is like a versatile, uh, like, you know, everything tastes like chicken. Chicken is, is the, the go-to comparison for any meat. And they're like, you can use this for anything as if it's chicken. Okay. I think is what it's, right? I don't yeah, know. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's a cheap and plentiful meat, which isn't yeah. true necessarily. It's a horribly right. overfished. Okay, yeah. fine. Okay, soapbox dude. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Greenpeace. Uh, oh, <laughs> By the way, did you guys see uh, Portland? Portland, you never disappoint. Did you see Portland's protest about the icebreakers that were heading up to do some dri- no. icebreaking for drilling ships in the Arctic? Uh, Portland decided, no, you guys are not going up there. And so a bunch of, real I mean, activists, but probably more people that like mountaineering and want an excuse to do this, hung themselves off of a bridge, dangling themselves low enough so that the ship 
couldn't pass and get out to the ocean from from the port of Portland. Uh, And it became national news. And I think they actually ended up getting fined by the government $10,000 an hour for every hour they kept the boat from going. But then there were also kayaks down in the water. If, uh, in solidarity with them trying to also block the waterway and the dumbest thing ever was that like mainstream news sources were reporting on it and using the word kayaktivist oh no <laughs> like they don't get to frame the conversation <laughs> like you don't have to use their dumb neologism for their fucking bullshit that's not a very versatile form of activism very very limited lot in the kayak that's like the super get these kayak activists out of the senate <laughs> right. it's the same way that aquaman not that powerful of a superhero yeah. <laughs> like if you can only you gotta you gotta really like find ways to make that power useful that's funny kayak activists and i'm not even against what they were do- doing i'm i mean i am against what they were doing i'm not i'm on their side as far as the drilling but like Come on, admit you guys just wanted to sleep from ropes underneath yeah. the bridge for a I couple mean, nights. I like, mean, there's the uh, the spirit of it, and then what's the real utility of it? What's going to happen if you do that? Nothing. So it's just the, the of, boat was delayed by two days. Yeah, I mean, and it still went. So uh, Portland, I love you. You guys know I love you. You know, got a sweet kayak out of the deal. Yeah, kayak <laughs> <laughs> activism. Oh God. I was like. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, what's going to be the next protest vehicle? <laughs> right, exactly. Like uh, uh, recumbent bicycle blockade, <laughs> blockades of... Uh. Uh, Jesse, we always ask our guests this before we get into the stories. Um, what, if anything, is your background in science? Uh, let's see. Well, um, <clears throat> it doesn't have to be, you know, it could just be a class that you liked or experiment that you enjoyed or something you blew up in the woods as a kid. I did, I did like uh, science when I was a kid. I'm a college dropout. I did cool. take... AP calculus, so that's oh, my nice. that's my only, uh, and I'm certified in Excel. But uh, <laughs> other than what, that, what does that mean? Uh, Microsoft Excel spreadsheets and stuff. But I mean, like, what is the certification process? I don't, I don't remember. I had to take some tests. It's just basic. Um, you know, in if you even know the basics, you're pretty much ahead of ninety percent of most people. What, what's and, the graduation like for Excel certification? Oh, it's very cap and gown. No, I think you just get a <laughs> you just get a thing on online, and then I didn't get fired. It was like you have to get this, or we're gonna. I want to uh, believe there's like a video, a pre-recorded thing that Bill Gates like <laughs> congratulations. Well, so, yeah, <laughs> to the class of tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> a famous speaker gives the uh, gives the address. Uh, yeah, uh, talks about when he was a. Uh, Graduate of an older spreadsheet. Right, right, right. <laughs> Lotus. Uh, back in the day, I was in a, I was in Lotus, a Lotus one, two, one, two three, three, and yeah. then WYSIWYG. <laughs> OG. So, what were you going to study? What were you studying when you left college? Uh, I guess I was going to be a math major, and then, um, and then I was maybe going to switch to English or history. And then, you know, I uh, to be honest, I. My, I, w- I went to this college where there was an Indian reservation, uh-huh. a casino, and I was playing a lot of blackjack. I like, taught myself how to count cards, and then no I, way. I, yeah, I didn't get very good grades, so <laughs> I kind of like my first semester. I got a point seven five. That's not what, what, when you're in the square club when you can square your GPA and it goes down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and I Is was that on- what- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, jeez. Uh, and then, so then I got better grade. Then I went to community college, moved back home, did it for a couple of years, and I was working. Then I started doing stand-up, and I just never finished. Okay. But uh, probably not a great... Are, uh, are your parents uh, okay with it now? Well, they were okay with it once I started doing well in comedy. Yeah. But for a long time, it was like, you know, I was just working odd jobs and doing free bar shows or road gigs. So it was like, right, right. I would ha- And I went from having, like, you know, a free ride to 
being a scumball comic. So <laughs> they're like, yeah, oh, what happened to this guy? But, uh, you know, it's fine. Can, yeah. we, can we back up? Because I'm fascinated by the card counting. I was about to do the same. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get into it. I want to know what your strategy was, what your, if you still remember how to do it. Yeah, well, I think the misconception with card counting, well, it's not as difficult as everyone thinks it is. Yeah. And it's not as lucrative as everyone thinks it is. It's not like a magic. It basically gives you like a 2% advantage, but uh, it's, it's a very volatile game. So you could play right. full-time for months and not actually turn a profit. But uh, also, it's basically just counting cards. If you know your times tables and you can pay it, you know, it's it's not that difficult. It's just very tedious. And uh, and don't you, uh, whenever you start taking advantage of what you know and increasing your bets, don't you also, like, uh, draw the attention of the yes, security and shit? Yes, that so. happened to me a couple times. Um, like, I got pulled over by the... You know, by the uh, you know by the reservation police and stuff. And okay. They told me to stop going there and all that. And I only Did they ban you from like all the casinos in the region. No, well, it's like this casino. Well, now it's uh, built up. It's called the Soaring Eagle. But at the time, it was. Oh wait, in Mount Pleasant. Yes, I, this is where I went yeah. when I turned eighteen. I forgot we we're from the same. But uh, when I was there, it was basically on a dirt road. There was a slot machine building. There was a bingo hall. And I remember there, this. There was a blackjack room, and I went to the blackjack room, and there were probably forty tables. And oftentimes, there was barely anyone there, so I would just bounce around the tables until I found a good shoe, and then play. And I probably won like these are six deck shoes. Or what yeah, they, yeah. And uh, they were very sloppy shufflers. It was by hand. Not, oh, does that uh, help you though? Yeah, because sometimes if a shoe is good, if they're very, if a shoe is good, it will stay good for a long time because they don't do very thorough shuffles. Now they have these continuous shuffling right, machines. Right, right, right. Um, so I, I went there with five hundred bucks, and within a few months, I had like six grand. Nice. And then, but then I kind of, I had never had money. You know, before stick around too so long. I got like gold fever, and I just was playing. <laughs> you know, I was playing way too much, and like I would go, I'd be up six hundred, and I think, oh well. Yesterday I won eight hundred. I'm going to try, and then I'd be down a hundred. I go, well, I was up six hundred, and then I go, and it, that kept. I just started grinding away all of my all of okay. my money. And, right. uh, so, do you remember which which actual? Because um, I've tried like a really rudimentary scheme. I'm not even sure if it's right. Where you're just keeping track of how many times you see uh, like two through five and any faces. Yeah, there are simple yeah. counts like an ace five count where you just count the aces or, yeah. and fives. There's you can get into three level counts where. But I basically just did, you know, a simple high-low count. And then also... Again, As in just like anything above or below, like the midpoint of the... Kind of like, you know, something like twos through sevens are plus one, tens and aces are minus one, and then okay. you keep a side count if you want. But also, if you found a good shoe, this doesn't really work now because it was a weird place in that there are literally 30 or 40 games going on and not very good, you know, shufflers. So if you found a good shoe, you could... Do it for like three shoes and then just go. And good means you're seeing a lot more of which of which end of the spectrum, the lower or higher cards. So Positive you, cards. So you've you're, you've you're already good. gotten rid of a lot of the high cards, so you're not going to bust, so you can hit. Yeah, so say yeah. if there's like a big clump of positive cards, this gets into something called shuffle tracking. And then um, if they don't do a thorough shuffle, you can kind of keep track of where it is in the shoe. So if they... So if they don't if so once it comes you can up your bet so you don't even that's not you want to up your bet when you're thinking that there are no more faces coming or a lot of faces a lot coming. of faces coming that's why it's negative when those because you're hoping to out. make the dealers bust more than you're hoping to be yeah, able to right. hit without yeah, yeah, busting yeah, yeah. yeah. okay and for listeners that don't know the rules of is this is this condescending to go into the rules of flag <laughs> well no i don't because it 
it is worth explaining just because I remember as a kid playing blackjack just with your friends. Yeah. But it's different in a casino where right. the dealer has to make specific. Right. So that you, yeah, you take advantage of the fact that you're plates. trying to hit 21 um, and you, you can't go over or else you're done. And um, all the face cards are worth 10. An ace can be worth one or 11. And the dealer has to hit until they reach usually uh, 17 or yeah. so. So if they have 16, they have to draw. And because there are so many cards that are worth 10 in the deck, like you assume by default that a card you don't see is going to be worth 10, even though it's only yeah. like one-third of the cards. So, ba- so uh, basically when there, are more pos- when there are more high cards in the deck, it's better for you because they're going to bust more often and you're going to get more blackjacks, which pays off at like two to one. Higher, yeah. So... Yeah. It's so it works out to a small. So the more high cards there are, the better it is for you. And if you went in right now just for fun, could you? Would you? Would your brain be sharp enough to do the? Yeah, because it just becomes like it. Literally, if you were to look at one of these charts, it looks really complicated. But if yeah. you played enough, it just becomes like you know what six times seven? It's forty two. It just stays in your brain. Yeah. you know so. It's really not. So I'll go to Vegas. Are you ever like tabulating on your fingers or anything to keep track of where no, the count is? No, it's just because you're just going like if you look at. You know, there's six ga- there's six hands going. You can just scan it and pair off the hands, and it's just very quick. Like okay. even even if I'm in they Vegas, they cancel each other out. So you don't even yeah, have yeah, to, yeah. Like, so it'd be yeah. like zero, one, two. I've been in Vegas even when I was drunk, and I couldn't count because it's just become awesome. like, You know, but then can you like what if someone's trying to talk? Because I've tried again and I've failed. Mm. Uh, but it's mostly because I'm drinking, and like if someone tries to talk to me, then I'm like ah fuck, you just you just yeah, yeah you up. just kind of lose track. Yeah. But um. Because the thing is, you don't want to go, you know, if you just learn basic strategy, you're basically breaking even. So if you just even just keep a general count and don't bet crazy, you can kind of get close at least to get it. closer to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. not being in a losing proposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, if, even if you were good at it, you're still stuck. Your job then becomes spending your day at the casino, which that's is the same. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> the same thing with like uh, poker. It's you think it's this maverick type deal, yeah. but you're basically it's an office job. Right. Right. You, unless you have. So when you hear these stories of. Like say the MIT guys winning a lot of money, it's because they're betting a lot of money, and uh, it's a very small advantage. So it's really not, it's not as romantic as people think yeah. it is. It's kind of there, yeah. there's a friend of mine who uh, has a PhD in physics, and uh, for a while he was a professional ge- poker player also, and then he realized like, oh, I can make like seventy five, eighty thousand dollars a year doing this, but I have to do it like a job and clock yeah. in for eight hours every day it's, like, it's just, just a yeah. boring way to spend your life someone like, i know at university dropped out of the degree to become a like he would he'd play online poker he was sponsored by one of the betting sites yeah but yeah he'd get up he would not leave his computer he's like those sort of kids yeah, yeah. kids who are addicted to computer games it's the same deal like he'd have everything around him that he needed so he would never have to leave yeah. that area. And he's like, that's kind of grim. Like, uh, it is. Hold up in this basement, just playing. And, they, and they've normally got numerous hands going at the same time. They've got like five windows open so they, they can maximize their playing time. And the worst is, because I've done that before, where you you play poker for like 12 hours and you you break it. You, like, you start off really badly and then you play like 10, 11 hours just to win like 50 bucks just to get back to even. You're like, I just sat at my computer right. all day long and for nothing. It was nothing. It just, it's not, I'd rather just have a regular job and do it just right. for fun. But there is the lesson, young, probably scientists. <laughs> Gambling leads you nowhere except mm-hmm. professional comedy careers. Yeah. Which is also great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes to Vegas are those televised events where they wheel out a million dollars on a table. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can. But those guys are so. I mean, that's like trying to hit a home run off of a off a major league pitcher. I mean, I'm. I think I'm pretty good at poker, but I wouldn't. 
play those. I guys. don't watch it enough to even get how I don't understand how there can be that much eliteness to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like how there can be that much separating a, pr- a pretty good player from a great one. But and well, pl- part of it is just being they're also compulsive gamblers, so they don't care about money. So they're just rec- they'll bet recklessly, and it's hard to tell what's even. Going I thought on. people hate it when you do. I thought that's like bad. I mean, I've gone to friends' poker nights. They fucking hate playing with me because I'll do things that are erratic. And, like, that's... Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I would have thought the better you get, the less you do that. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just really fucking good. I always lose. <laughs> they always take my money, but they still get mad at how I'm betting. Yeah. Um, so, uh, something we were talking about tied... Oh, so you were studying math for a while. Yeah. Uh, were you a fan of... <laughs> <laughs> this is such a specific branch of math that it's almost not even. I mean, it's not what we conventionally think of as math. Um, but apparently, uh, we found a new Pentagon tile that can tile itself to cover the plane, cover a plane. Um, I didn't know that this was even a thing that people were still looking for, or I didn't know that, the, that there were a finite number of ways of, of, of Pentagon shapes that would fit together to fill up a, a plane. But. Um, Apparently, we've found what is only the 15th type of Pentagon known that can do this, and it's the first one discovered in 30 years. It's a story I, Justin Broad sends in. Yeah, uh, frequent contributor Justin Broad. I don't get how you can't just like run uh, an algorithm that would just like try out different shapes, different shape Pentagons. There, there aren't that many Pentagons. Um, this one, I would describe it as uh, elongated. <laughs> It's, it oh, gets you... described in this Guardian article, article as looking like a cross-section of okra. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's. And it fits together in a cool a little... Um... Yeah, because re- regular pentagons don't tessellate. Oh, they don't? Oh, tessellate's the word for it. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought regular pentagons could... Fi- I'm trying to picture floor tiles that... Uh, hexagons obviously do easily. Regular hexagons. I also didn't know that every uh, every triangle can tile the plane. I guess that makes sense somehow intuitively, but every four-sided shape can also do that, which I didn't uh, wouldn't have thought would be true. Yeah, I'm really not good on tessellation. It's not. I didn't you can't study it, but, it. Well, I mean, I, I just it's not something I'm particularly knowledgeable. But I yeah. do know Roger Penrose is known amongst many many other things that he did in the worlds of maths and science mm-hmm. for it. it for coming out with Penrose tiling, which is a, I think it's a type of quadrilateral, uh, but it never repeats the pattern. Interesting. Uh, there we go, Penrose tiling. It's, um, a qu- uh, God, there's too many terms in here that I just don't know. A Penrose tiling is a non-periodic tiling generated by an aperiodic set of prototiles. What the hell is a po- prototiles? Uh, so it's non-periodic, which means it lacks any translational symmetry. Um, it's it's self-similar, so the same patterns occur at larger and larger scales. So the tiling can be in, obtained through inflation okay. or deflation. Any finite so, I mean, patch that's kind of, that's occurs a, that's a, many times. A sort of periodicity, but not a traditional one. Like you have to, it's like a fractal more than it's like a, yeah. a wave or something or uh, whatever you want to call it. Looks very pretty. So that that looks like it does have symmetry in some way, but I guess I'll, I'll trust Penrose that it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, translational symmetry doesn't have. Okay. Um, so we will link to Which this. Which means you can't. I, I, yeah, you can't is... sort of slide one bit of it onto another bit of it. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, it looks like it has rotational symmetry, maybe. But um, we'll link to this over on probablyscience.com. I know this is kind of a, a 
we're kind of blue balling you guys with the very visual story. <laughs> but it's interesting. Yeah, this article on The Guardian um, said that the hunt to find and classify those pentagons that can tile the plane has been a century-long mathematical quest begun by the German mathematician Karl Reinhardt, who discovered five types of pentagons that can do that in 1918. Um, and he didn't actually find five single pentagons. He discovered five classes of them that can be described by an equation. And most people assumed he'd com- he had the complete list until half a century later in 1968 when R.B. Kirshner found three more. And then Richard James brought the number of pentagon tiles, p- pentagonal tile, up to nine in 1975. And that was the same year an unlikely mathematical pioneer entered the fray in the form of Marjorie Rice, a San Diego housewife in her 50s, who had read about James's discovery in Scientific American. And she was an amateur mag- magician. <laughs> Guys, it was a late night. <laughs> She developed her own notation and method over the next few years. Uh, she discovered another four types of Pentagon that tile the plane. And in 1985, uh, Rolf Stein found a 14th. And then we've had a 30-year gap until now. We found another one. And yeah, if you want to see what it looks like, we will link to it. Uh, I can give you the angles of all the vertice- vertices, but I don't think that's very fun to hear. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, as people who are really good at picturing things yeah. in their head okay if you want to go around 135 yeah the internal angles going around in a circle are 60 degrees 135 105 90 and 150 got so it perfect picture that in your head yep. you got it set <laughs> it looks it looks almost like if yeah if you take like a, a regular pentagon um and just sort of squash it down and push it across to one side mm-hmm. if that makes sense so it looks a bit like yeah, it look it looks a bit like the Pentagon's being sort of pushed down and slid across, uh, and that tiles that tiles the surface perfectly. And I don't know why this is, but it says Pentagons remain the area of most mathematical interest when it comes to tiling, since it's the only of the gons that is not yet totally understood. But does that mean that all the higher order ones are totally understood? Because that seems crazy that it be it seems like it would only get more complex as you added more sides. I guess I wonder whether it's like again, not my field, right. not something I studied, but I wonder whether it's because the higher vertex vertexed polygons can be thought of as being made up of smaller ones. Okay, maybe. And those have been studied. If you right, sort of go right. like, "All right, well, this is this is two hexagons basically mm-hmm. shoved together," and so we can think of it like that, and then we can we can break it down. I wonder whether it's that. I could be wrong. And then there's a cool, again, check Mathematicians out... Mathematicians uh, who listen to the show. Feel free to write in and tell us how dumb we are, yeah. Uh, if you want to go to probablyscience.com, we'll link to this article that also has a cool grid of the 15 known ways that Pentagon's tile. And they're all different colors as well. Yeah, that's important to the math. <laughs> yeah, it's very important. So how many years do you think until number 16? There'll never be a 16, man. <laughs> well, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of these lo- things that should be very simple... And you think would be easily solved, but yeah. not like the four color problem is another one that right, right, yeah, was solved relatively recently, like within within the last I think fifteen years or so. And the only way they did it was basically brute forcing it with computers. And that's proving that four is the least number of colors you would need to have no on like uh, any color sort any of map, map yeah. and not have any conti- contiguous yeah. shapes have the no adjacent ones have the same exactly. So if you want to color in any map, so that there's neighboring countries don't have the same color you need at most four colors to do that okay but proving that took a long time proving that that was ridiculous and still it's not a satisfying proof like the way 
like there's no neat back of an envelope proof it mm-hmm. was they had to break it down into all the different types of ways lines and uh points can connect and then they crunched the numbers on that like it was a huge computer proof yeah rather than something that's kind of satisfying and yeah easily done on a blackboard i wonder if there's any super nerdy multi-billionaire who's now gonna like okay my next bathroom has to be this 15th pentagon tile you know like just paying yeah artisans to uh with really accurate equipment like penrose tiles are all over the place yeah but these i mean i actually there's a bunch of these that i would like to see on a bathroom floor i like number four the blue one if you're looking at the article matt that one's got a nice symmetry to it uh Oh yeah, the blue one's nice. I could see that being. Uh, a... Picture the blue one, uh, people. Picture the blue one again. <laughs> go to prowesense.com and click on our links. Or actually, uh, if people don't know this, if you're listening on iTunes, or rather on your iPhone app, if you just tap on the image, it shows all the show notes, and there are hyperlinks in there to everything from stories to like LA Podfest things like that. So you can link also, directly from your phone. I'm also looking at the four color theory, and. The proof has been simplified a bit since it was first proven, uh, but it's still not satisfying. For you. Still not satisfying for me. <laughs> I'm not satisfied. I'm not. Well, you know, it's, it's like Fermat's last theorem as well, where, you know, there's sort of, it would be lovely if there was a beautiful, clean proof. Although, apparently it's amazing, like, if you actually understand what he did. But it's like 50 pages long. Right? And su- uses such higher mathematics that you really have to be... Yeah. So we basically think he was lying when he said he had a proof that he barely couldn't fit in the margin like almost certainly or did maybe that, that line did that, but uh, did that hold up because i read that book ages ago did it is it still i think uh, so yeah yeah oh andrew wells's proof well the initial proof had a hole in it but then he published another paper a couple of years later that closed that hole okay uh but it's um you read um for not for Mars enigma mm-hmm. do we pronounce the t or not is it like french that... uh i don't know but uh but yeah there's no way like the proof that andrew wells came up with there's no way that could have been Fermat's proof because it was it used mathematics that was so far advanced of yeah. anything that he was doing. Like it's cutting edge stuff that's only just, yeah. Right, right. Only just come out. Uh, so some people still think that there is maybe some perfect neat, again, like back of an envelope proof for it. But the chances. But it's bullshit. Yeah. Like he, he clearly didn't. Or what he, Maybe he thought he... Yeah, what he probably had was a proof for certain classes of it. Um because there are certain, there are fairly simple proofs for uh, for cubes and for I think non prime powers. Because it can't be the the power can't be over two. The, the proof yeah. the, the the theorem is that a squared plus b squared equals c squared with all integers. Um, it, that is the only power squared is the that only works. yeah yeah a to the n than... plus b to the n equals c to the n only has integer solutions for n equals two. Yep, that's what it is. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Um, which is an incredibly simply stated problem and almost impossible and to prove. A half millennium to. Uh, yeah. Or almost that long. Hey, should we do a story that we actually understand? Let's do it, yes. <laughs> should we do a space story? I we love, love a space this one, story. This one's straight space ahead. Is very easily understandable. Space and veggies. Yeah. So they're actually. They've been, there's been an experiment going on on the International Space Station uh, for a while now where they've been growing plants edible plants uh romaine lettuce specifically and um astronauts are about to have the first meal that was grown in space it should be oh, happening wow. today it says yeah big so, bowl of romaine lettuce big red romaine That's space gotta, lettuce is that the only thing that they have uh i believe 
It can't right be now. that satisfying to just eat. <laughs> no, maybe that's the whole meal. That's all they put them up there <laughs> with. Go, oh, no, great. Thanks, NASA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've, uh, they're going to start. Like, We've just been a little bit worried about you putting on a bit of weight. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> the most passive aggressive mission control. Yeah. No, it's for science. Yeah. We want to see if it can grow. Yeah. And also, we're going to. Um, yeah, open up the data channel because we're going to be sending on an aerobics video. <laughs> you might wanna... Just to see what the bitrate is, just to see if like, it looks just clear. Just testing it, uh, yeah, just testing yeah. the... So yeah, they planted this. Um, Scott Kelly planted the romaine on July 8th and the plants were harvested 33 days later after consistent watering. Um, but it, the whole thing is more complicated than just planting seeds and watching them grow. Um, since there aren't just beds of soil in the space station, they have to use a plant growth system called Veggie. Is a, I don't even think it's an acronym. They're just calling it that. Um, yeah, so like they've capitalized the V, but not the other letters. That we, I was expecting that to be just a really clunky acronym. Right, again. right. Very energetic growth, greenhouse, intense, uh, extra planetary. Yeah. There we go. Uh, thanks. That's good. <laughs> did, you, uh, did you just ad-lib that? That yeah, wasn't very good, though. <laughs> no, that's good. No, that was... Uh... Whenever you're putting very... Yeah. That's like when, a, when lyrics in a song include the word, like, just or something. You just needed an yeah. extra syllable there. Like. I'm still not into it when any song forces really clumsy grammar just to make it scan or rhyme. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I hate that. Example, Matt? I can't think of one uh, offhand. Okay. <laughs> oh, it, it'll, it'll be like, uh, you know, something, 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 and then... To the thing he did, yeah, like, exactly. When they change mm. around the, yeah, to the thing he went. Yeah, <laughs> oh, why are you? Why? Okay, everything else is written like you're not an Elizabethan duke. Yeah, <laughs> suddenly, reverse the order of words. You will suddenly a Yoda. Uh, yeah, so that's a, they use this class collapsible system that takes pre-made seed pillows and blasts them with light from red and blue LEDs to let them grow. And they produced plants last year doing this, but they brought them back to Earth for testing. So this is the first time they're actually eating them while they're up there. So, yeah, now that this time they're going to send some of it back, but they're going to eat some of it. So they've been given the go-ahead from NASA. It's been tested. So what they're going to do is apparently give the leaves a wipe down with food sanitizing wipes, which sounds delicious. And then they can feast on their space bounty, says this article in The Verge. So it's like, what kind of dressing are you using? Uh, Purell? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds horrible. Hidden, hidden Valley Purell. But that is probably quite cool. Like, it's probably... Yeah. Apparently, we, we know from uh, Chris Hadfield's book that one of the things astronauts look forward the most when they get the new package is fresh food. Fresh, yeah, yeah. They get... It's, it's like, it's basically like Burning Man. It's <laughs> By the end of the week, you have no fresh food or vegetables. So anyone who comes late to your camp and can show up with that stuff is like... Your savior. Everything's burning man to me right now. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, I got a ticket. Oh, yeah. We're gonna both going to be going. So any listeners going, um, email us, probablyscience.gmail.com, and we'll figure out how to meet up, because it was fun running into some listeners last year. Uh, or actually, you can look me up. I'm, I'll be at a camp called Broke Down Palace, I think around like 530 in A or B. Um, so look up that camp and come by and say hi. So... Um it's uh, beyond offering a food source for long-term trips. NASA says packaged food can only last a maximum of two to three years. So space gardens could be a key to astronaut health. Uh, they're thinking particularly like long-term Mars missions and similar. Uh, fresh fruits and vegetables could help improve mental health by giving astronauts something to nurture. They also give astronauts a little piece of Earth to bring with them on long journeys. And in addition, a good fresh meal goes a long way after months of eating packaged foods. They're monitoring, uh, NASA's monitoring the effects of fresh produce on the crew in preparation of any future trip to Mars. Uh, until then, Scott Kelly and the ISS will have some fresh food to enjoy during their months aboard the station. Um, and it's kind of, it, it looks really weird because it's been grown under this purplish light because they've realized that 
purple and red are the two uh, LEDs, are the two frequencies that are most That's efficient. Enough. Is the main obstacle just the sunlight problem, or is it also... I don't know. I don't know if it's like the actual like system that it's sitting in because it can't be using traditional soil. If that was what took so long, or I'm not sure. That's interesting. So are they going to ramp up to something that isn't so boring? Lettuce, maybe like good uh, question. Maybe get some uh, get some rhubarb in there. Oh yeah. What would be the best? I mean, if you had to go with something that's still uh, gardenable yeah. easily, what's the most maybe interesting? Have a, maybe have a little jam making yeah. club. Yeah. Potatoes, apples. Potatoes. Oh, like in. Um, have you read The Martian? Uh, no, I have. Have seen you read it? it? I have read yeah, The Martian. Yeah. That, that he, ended, he ends up mostly eating potatoes with what's left of. Uh, like there was a potato, I think, and he found a way to like t- cut out one of the eyes and plant that, and that's how he survives for most of the. You could probably do tomatoes. You, I mean, you couldn't do any like any tree fruit in in space. But. I wonder if the tomatoes would grow super huge because they wouldn't be like limited by their own weight hanging from the, you know what I mean? Yeah, that probably would affect how they grow. Yeah, that's uh, there's probably a lot of problems I haven't even thought of as a I want, person. I want someone like one astronaut to just devote his entire or her entire mission just to making one prize marrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it comes down with this huge marrow. What what's a marrow? <laughs> I just laughed and then I'm like I have to admit I don't know what a marrow is I'm looking it up also yeah, oh. A white flesh green skin gourd Wow What do you call them? Uh, That's a marrow I think we just call that a gourd I guess I mean or is it like a, It's not a Jeez it's not a, a, I don't know but about I don't gourds think you, Like it's one of those things It's not that, a zucchini right? No Which we call courgettes What really? the What's wrong with you guys? Uh, and we call eggplants aubergine. Right. Well, that's like just French, right? I guess. Um, I I don't know what we call... Yeah, these are just yeah the gourd, gourd gourds. I would just call that a gourd, I guess. I don't know. Look at this. Look oh, at this yeah. article. Giant marrow narrowly fails to break record. Uh, uh, there's a proper British story for you. That's our news. It's ribbed. That's a big marrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you spend all those years making that marrow and it just falls shy. I honestly don't... I don't know if people even eat marrows. I think they just they just show Growing them for size. Kind of like pumpkins when they grow the giant. Those probably don't even taste very good because you oh, just yeah. yeah. And they're hard to make jack o' lanterns out of. Also, yeah, I, I imagine that it would be pretty easy to win like a county fair in space because I'm not sure how big <laughs> space county is, but I bet the ISS is one of the only things going in its county. Well, I don't know. I mean, you've got to you've got to wonder what other species, right, right, around the universe have created. And it's like when we call it the uh, Miss Universe exactly. pageant. Like, it's are we allowed to the World Series? It's just you know. Well, the World Series we're allowed to say, I think. No, you're <laughs> not. Only Americans world. are in it. No, it's not true. There's some Canadian teams. <laughs> There's a couple of Canadians. But it's a. Uh, I don't know. There might be some aliens, alien species whose marrow technology is so far advanced. Right. <laughs> they might have. Like that becomes the measure of whether it's actual intelligent life. Yeah. <laughs> Have they grown marrow? They're very smart. They can travel a speed of light, <laughs> yeah. but their marrows are very small. So tiny. Well, they've not. They've evolved to not need big marrows. That's right. Right. Thing. Okay. Sure. Sure. That's what they say. <laughs> I I uh, do think County Fair in Space is a good pilot script if you want to write that. Oh yeah. This guy says legs. These guys, by the way, they failed to break the record by one pound. The guy is holding uh, up the five-foot-long marrow? The five-foot-long marrow. It was one pound shy of the record. Uh, they brought shame on their family and their yeah. county? That's a, gr- that's a great little local news picture of the two men holding it up. 
They love. There's a blog that can that collates pictures of of people in local newspapers upset upset with a thing holding that thing. <laughs> really. <laughs> that, like, you, know, that's what, you mean like they? It's so heavy that they're like no, no, put no. out by it, or they're like losing a competition. And no, so it'll be it'll be like a sort of uh, girl not allowed to go to school because of a ribbon in her hair. Oh and yeah, it'll be yeah, a picture of her holding that ribbon, looking up. <laughs> like the photographer was like, "Can you be a little more angry? Can you be sad yeah. and look at the thing?" Yeah, it's that sort of hack local newspaper th- picture person. Yeah, that's funny. Just okay. Stand next to your car <laughs> that's had the problems and look look displeased. Okay, I'm looking at a site that has a bunch of world's biggest vegetables. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you some names of them. I want you to tell me which you think is bigger. Which of these got 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 heavier between uh, the biggest jackfruit, the what biggest is a jack. What is a jackfruit? Okay, well this isn't a good game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it, well if I ask you to Google it, you're probably gonna find this big ass one, and then you're gonna know how big it is. I found I found this blog by the way. Angry people in local newspapers. Nice. Oh, someone that's... upset next to a sign. There's someone upset next to a fence. There's someone crossed with an intercom. Oh, I love how he's... <laughs> that was crossing his arms like a fucking 80s hip-hop. Uh, There's someone upset with a Neil Diamond gig at a football ground. Oh. Uh, and there's a goth shop that's been robbed a lot and a woman's upset outside it. Uh, well, she's extra sad because she's a goth, yeah. Okay, between watermelon, pumpkin... And marrow, which one do you think they've gotten to be bigger? Marrow, watermelon, and what was the other thing? Watermelon, marrow, and pumpkin. I have a guess. What's your guess? I'm going to say pumpkin. I'm going to go marrow. Pumpkin by a lot. Uh, Biggest marrow, supposedly 113 pounds. Biggest watermelon, 268 pounds. Biggest pumpkin, 1,689 pounds. Wow. Yeah. That's like a car. Well, you've seen those videos where they drop pumpkins on cars and it destroys them, right? No. Crane crane videos. This is a <laughs> this is a very Google heavy episode, listeners. But go go look up uh That might be the most American thing cars. I've ever heard. Yeah, there's like there's like a <laughs> festival every year where they, they take a crane and they drop a We've got thousand so many pound. pumpkins and so many cars that we can afford to fuck one up with the other. Just for the hell of it. Um I accidentally Googled pumpkins destroying cards and there are some Pokemon pumpkins, I guess. Uh, pumpkin cannon versus car. How long would it take to breed that pumpkin to just keep continually until you get one that's over a thousand pounds? I have no idea how. Yeah, I have no idea how, how this. Uh, you have to devote your life to making a giant pumpkin, which doesn't seem. <laughs> it doesn't seem lucrative. Yeah. It doesn't seem social. But yeah, Matt. Here's here's a uh, giant ass pumpkins <laughs> being dropped on cars. Wait for the actual moment that it destroys the car. Can you guys both see this? Yeah. Yep, yeah, and the car is destroyed by the pumpkin. <laughs> As expected. How many, oh, Science. Yeah, how much work goes into making that car and making that pumpkin all for the half second where one lands on top of the other? I think as long as you can charge admission. They look like they got a couple thousand people watching yeah. this thing. Can you it's, imagine waking up and going, oh, you want to go see the pumpkin get dropped on the car? And then you wait. And Is it any worse than Groundhog Day? Yeah, I mean, true, I'd be, yeah. as a kid, I'd be more excited by a pumpkin crushing day yeah. than Groundhog Day if I lived in this town. I guess, yeah, as, as civic pride things go, like, I'm sure this place. I'm guessing that town probably isn't overrun with fun things to do, <laughs> no, wherever no. it is. I mean, there was that Spanish town that used to, like, throw animals out of the window. And you used to go, well, that's 
I thought you were going to say tomatoes. What? What is this? I, there was a, I think it was in Spain. I could be getting the country wrong, but there was some festival where they would throw... It was something like a horse. It was something ridiculous, like a horse or something like horrible, like horrible, horrible thing. But they throw it out of a tower. Uh, so this is better. Yeah, this, what I'm saying is this is destroying vegetation and not animal life. I think is. I'll a- talk about that with my travel agent. Take me to the town where they throw the horse out of the window. We have the one with the cows off the roofs. No horses out windows. <laughs> Looking for horses out windows. So yeah, you can check out. We'll we'll link to a bunch of this over on probablyscience.com. And um, well, I think Matt is trying to multitask right now. He's trying to type while he's talking, and that that's tricky for anybody, right? It, it is. Well, and well, and you know, debatably, not even possible. Like we get all this uh, talk about how you got to be a good multitasker, but really, you know, studies have shown that when you're trying to split your mind between different tasks, you end up failing at both of them. Um, but luckily, there's new brain scanning software that can block notifications while you're busy. Hold that thought, Andy. Wood. Okay, let's multitask. So, um, the village of M- Manganeses in De, de la Polvorosa, uh, which is in Spain, has the goat throwing festival in which a, they carry a live goat up to the f- top of a 50 foot church tower. Mm. It gets thrown into the crowd below and caught on a canvas sheet. Oh, okay. So it isn't killed, but Not it's always. still... You're saying that never have they lost a goat. Because <laughs> if their record is no goats lost... I'm not defending would... this in the slightest. Well, but I'm just curious if they... Uh... Oh, no, One, the practice I... was banned in 2002. How did you Google that? What was your Google search? My search Google search was town festival throw animal out of town. <laughs> <laughs> um so that there's been unsurprisingly a lot of criticism from animal rights activists. Uh-huh. Some of the goats survive the full war, others do not. Okay, okay. But we'll all are no doubt traumatized. Um, the protests have made a difference. There's been a number of modifications over the years, including slowly lowering the goat down with ropes. Uh. <laughs> who does that? Who does that satisfy? That satisfies none of the original spirit of goat throwing. That's someone like those are people who really just want the goats. To get, they had, we go. We got to do something yes. to this goat. There has to be a change in elevation, yeah. and the goat has to be involved. <laughs> Can it be a goat escalator? Okay, fine, fine. But the goat has to go up, and it has to yeah, come down. There that. has to be. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the goat was up high, now coming down. That's not, a, that's not a good Spanish accent at the all. Vill- the villagers did not appreciate the old tradition being ch- changed. They claimed the goats were not hurt by the experience and were merely shaken up. They were hurt, <laughs> let's be honest. He's fine. Um, the 2014 goat throwing festival was celebrated by throwing a toy plush goat out of the tower uh, instead of okay. a real one. All right, I'm in favor of that. I'm still not sure why they were so desperate to have a goat thrown out, but they... Are we sure that that, that goat milk doesn't come out a little better, a little frothier? Like goat milkshake? <laughs> Any word on how that started, what the origin of that is, or what it... Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, probably... Ac- according to Wikipedia, it says it was banned in 2002. So, it ha- I guess that's... It, what probably happened, a real goat probably just climbed up there and jumped off once, and they're like, that was awesome. Let's do this. Let's make a goat do that every year. Oh, here we go. Here, here is the supposed most likely apocryphal origin of the festival. Uh, there was a priest uh, in the town. A rabbi. And, uh... <laughs> who? Okay. So I, I'm, the more I read this story, it's obviously bullshit, because magic is involved. So the, pri- <laughs> the priest involved... 
Sorry, the priest owned a very special goat that could feed all of the poor with its milk. Okay. One day the goat climbed up into the belfry of the church and was so Jesse, frightened... Jesse's story? <laughs> yep, was so frightened by the bells for Sunday Mass that it fell onto the street below. Uh, what? How did I you... got it. I got it. That's Miraculously, amazing. the goat was caught in a blanket and survived. The Goat Throne Festival is said to reenact this famous event. Wow. <laughs> so an almost tragedy, an almost tragedy that was accidental, that was barely averted, <laughs> is celebrated by recreating that tragedy. <laughs> and the but who was there? Who was of- standing around the tower with like a sheet to catch the goat? Who could... Yeah, who, who was coincidentally shaking out their laundry underneath one, the goat? Because one person can't <laughs> like catch You don't have goat. a lot of time. Yeah. Unless this thing is... Like, you have like half a second to react. <laughs> That. Maybe he was up there braying for a while, yeah. frightened by the bells. <laughs> and just the so people good. had time to like keystone cops together, so they're <laughs> running around grabbing sheets. That's the very special goat. Yeah, and they probably the goat. this is not a Spanish accent at all. <laughs> <laughs> and they probably have like an emergency blanket there anyway for them. Yeah. Okay, just they had to break the glass in and pull case out. of goat. <laughs> right. Yeah. Goat blanket. <laughs> I want to go to this town now. That's awesome. <laughs> Is there a video of the toy plush one being thrown off? Being thrown off? Being thrown off? I don't know. I'm a bit wary of looking that up because I'm a bit worried we'll actually get the real goat. Yeah. There's a video. There's a BBC article from 1998. Spanish ceremony gets Lorelei's goat. Huh? Puns. What I do want to see probably is the year that they lowered it down on a rope. Yeah. That would be like the most like everyone's arms are crossed. They're going like, hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that up. It's horrible. That might traumatize a goat worse than just throwing it because you got to <laughs> hook him up, slowly lower it, and he's probably freaking out. Maybe the important element is just to put the fear of death in a goat yeah. every year. Like that's why they do it. So that does accomplish that. They used to throw a dummy, but the village decided it wasn't funny enough and switched to live goats. <laughs> Wait, this is the opposite of what we're saying. Yeah, this is 98 before it was banned. This article of BBC. They should throw an inanimate object, or better still, one of themselves, says someone with the National Association for Defense of Animal Rights. Well, they would say that. Yeah. You know what animal rights activists are like when goats are being needlessly thrown off buildings? (laughs) One year, a German woman even paid local residents 300,000 pesetas, or about 2,000 US dollars, to free the two goats after their descent. Uh, the villagers showed little sign of relenting. Oh, are they, there's construction happening next door. <laughs> the goat doesn't suffer at all, said one villager dressed in a friar's habit and a face mask. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Okay, we should get back to some, some real science, maybe. Yeah. Right? Um, um, so, yeah, there's there's new technology to prevent what just happened. Um, brain scanning software that'll block notifications when it realizes that you're too busy. And this is a uh, project called Filter, spelled P-H-Y-L-T-E-R, created by computer scientists from Tufts University. And it's a system that detects your brainwaves. And if your mind is busy, the software can quiet the frenetic beeping of your devices so you can actually concentrate. It uses functional near-red spectroscopy, FNIS, a measurement of how the blood flows in the brain. And it works by attaching a monitor to the user's forehead with a band, which shoots beams of light into the brain... And the data gathered by this process is parsed with an algorithm that tailors the device to each specific user. And the way the system, that way the system knows based on FNIS activity, if you're hard at work or simply staring into space. And they tried it out by connecting filter to Google Glass and had participants play a video game. Then they were bombarded with notifications. And when they decided whether or not to take them, they taught the algorithm what was important enough to ping the players and what could wait for later. 
So this could be a good thing uh, to use to weed out distractions in everyday activities like navigation. If you're driving, um, if you seem distracted, filter could help find a simpler route. Uh, others foresee the innovative FNIS detection system could be useful for different types of research projects that correlate other types of body measurements with brain activity. I'm, I would take that. Yeah, I'm so easily distracted. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, Matt? Yeah. What? What's this? <laughs> what are we talking about right now, by the way? <laughs> a squirrel. Talking about lettuce and space, a goat. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I would, I, would, uh, I would make use of this all the time. Like, yeah, whenever I'm trying to use... Um, even just uh, when, I turn, when I turn on hands-free mode to navigate in my car, I get more distracted by the talking, describing routes than if I just looked at a map on my phone. Yeah. Well, especially when you're, uh, when you're pulling, when you're merging onto like a freeway and they says, you know, uh, merge onto the, uh, continue. On the, and they yeah. talk like seven times in a minute. It drives me insane. Like, but, just uh, tell me when I have to turn. Yeah. Don't tell me to continue. <laughs> that, that happens on its own. That's such a weird, that's such a complex technology for a pretty simple problem. Like, we could just, you know, put it on. Put it on silent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, that's interesting. I, I've, I mean, I, I hate I hate this notification so much that I've, I started using um, Do Not Disturb mode mm -hmm. like three years ago during the week of Bridgetown because I was just over overwhelmed. And then I've just kept it on for three years. So my friends all kind of hate me because I never answer the phone on the first ring. I just see someone called and call them back. That's funny. But it's worth it to not have to always be at the mercy of like, because it would just like my blood pressure would instantly skyrocket when I heard any kind of a notification at all. You yeah. know, like I was like, oh, somebody wants something. I, I, so I just turned everything off. So sorry if you tried calling me. If you call twice within five minutes from the same number, it shortcuts that, okay. though. If I now know that with you. Ever, like, if I need to get hold of yeah, you, I call, yeah. hang up, and call I'm again. I'm a dick. I'm sorry. It makes me happier, and that's what matters. Hey, you know another thing that they can tell, uh, or that they now know more about from looking at your face when things are happening? Well, fuck it. I'm just going to tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, the parlor room, for the strong pours last night. Uh, so, uh... I think I'm just bad at segues. Okay. We need Jesse for we that. We need Je <laughs> Jesse. Jesse. Jesse Case. Not, uh... I mean, we also Maybe you're it. good at segues, too. Oh, I'm great at segues. <laughs> Speaking of segues, yeah. dreams. <laughs> so, when you're dreaming, uh, when you're in REM sleep, your eyes are flickering uh, manically, uh, and the rapid eye movement stage happens when we have our most vivid dreams, but do our flickering eyes actually see anything? Uh, asked this article in New Scientist. It's a question psychologists have been asking since REM was first described in the 1950s. Says you are uh, Yuval Nir at Tel Aviv University in Israel. Uh, the idea is that we scan an imaginary scene. It's an intuitive idea, but it's been very difficult to provide evidence for until just now. Just shake somebody like, were you just picturing something that looks like this because your eyes were? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so until now, much of the evidence has been anecdotal. Uh, people who were woken up. Uh, oh, this is literally what, what they did. People who were woken up when their eyes were moving from left to right would say they were dreaming about <laughs> tennis, for example. Okay. Uh, more evidence comes from a previous study that monitored the sleep of people who have disorders that mean they often physically act out their dreams. Their eye movements match the actions around 80% of the time. A man dreaming about smoking, for example, appeared to look at a dream ashtray as he put out a cigarette. But for most of the REM sleep, these people uh, had... was. Um, was not accompanied by body movements, making it hard to know for sure. And other researchers have argued that the eye flickers cannot be linked to seeing anything because rapid eye movements happen in both fetuses and people who are blind, and neither group would have experience of vision, wouldn't be expected to move their eyes to follow an object. Uh, so to investigate further, Nir and his colleagues monitored people who have epilepsy, 
and have electrodes implanted deep into their brains to help with treatment. These electrodes are mostly in the medial temporal lobe, um, a region that responds strongly to pictures and allow the team to record the activity from around 40 neurons in each volunteer's brain as they slept. They found that activity seemed to spike around a quarter of a second after each eye flicker, just as it did when the volunteers saw an image when awake. It's very plausible that they are looking at a dream image, says Nier. Um, It's extremely interesting that these eye movement produces something like visual processing during dreaming, says Michael... God, these names are difficult. (laughs) Michael Schick, C-Z-I-S-C-H. Schick. At the Max Planck Institute in Munich. Uh, He thinks we might see visual scenes as a side effect of when memories are replayed during sleep. Because the researchers didn't wake their volunteers, they can't be sure what they were dreaming, uh, Nir says, but we are sure that the brain is alternating between different mental imagery. Every time you move your eyes, a new image forms in the mind's eye. So they're, they correlated when your eyes are moving fast with firing in the part of your brain that's processing um, visual imagery. So they assume that means you're scanning yep. the thing that you think you're seeing in your dream. But then that makes you wonder, like, I don't, when I'm looking at the world, then why would your eyes be darting more during that time than when you're just awake? You're not always like, trees, uh, <laughs> tile, backyard. Uh, I think your eyes do dart around a lot more than you think. Yeah. I think, yeah, when you're processing in a... Maybe, like maybe watching, if you're uh, committing a crime. A, a tennis match. Right. Like, uh, you just you keep your head stationary. And just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love, know. like, yo, his eyes are back and forth. Tennis match, right? Yeah, tennis yeah, match. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> you always watch, I, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one who likes to watch tennis, like in one of those Hannibal Lecter <laughs> style. Yeah, you can't move your neck at all. Yeah, they just keep, because you know what you like it when tennis is happening. Like the first Batman, I was always like, this is this would be the worst costume to be wearing if you're trying to fight crime, because like if someone taps my shoulder, he has to like turn his entire body around like when Michael Keaton's Batman had no neck movement he had to like tilt his whole torso back to look up um, have you seen the different tests that they were using for Hannibal's mask no were they scarier or well, funnier I think they picked the they picked the best one but uh they they experimented like the props department or the costume department experimented with numerous different designs for the whole thing for the gurney and the mask Oh, yeah, I'm seeing um, one that's clear. That could have been creepier. Clear masks are always super scary. One that's very uh, fetishy. Yeah, that one just kind of looks like an S&M mask or something. One that just has, like, (laughs) button... What are those things called for the nostrils? One of them looks a bit like a beekeeper. Ooh, there's one that has, like, fly compound eye things... I think it's just a gladiator mask. Okay, that's unrelated, but it's great. Gonna get some of this. Oh, by the way, are you gonna do anything costume-wise for Burning Man, Matt? I haven't. E- I have. I haven't even begun to think about. I haven't either, and I don't have much time. Um, listeners, if any of you guys have costume ideas, uh, email probably science at gmail And if any of you are costumers and you want to make something, uh, I will. I will wear it. I need. I, last year. I'm not, it's not that I even care that much about fitting in, but like literally people thought I was an undercover cop. <laughs> I just don't want to have people think I'm a cop. So I just have to look just counterculture enough to, because like people give away things everywhere. So a lot of places have, they're just giving out drinks. You know, and you should allowed- dress as a cop. <laughs> the perfect disguise. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the last thing right. that an undercover cop would dress as. The basic instinct defense. 
Um, but yeah, I've gone to places where the people are giving away booze, so no one cares about anything. I mean, they still have to ID you. Um, so the only possible way they can get in trouble is if someone is underage. So, and also, there's no possible way I'm 20 years old. I mean, yeah. right? I, there's no possible way. Um, but yeah, multiple times people were like, yeah, just don't narc on us. Like, I know you're a cop. But like, why? why <laughs> I'm not. I want to. Although I have a feeling there's probably uh, some paranoid people at Burning Man also. Yeah, but not everybody. I mean, the people that are running camps are not like the most. Those are the ones who are the most organized yeah. because they were able to like build an entire Western saloon and, you know, bring enough booze and dole it out appropriately um so yeah costume ideas i'm open to them i still i still think cop <laughs> but like sexy cop mm. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. like you know Velcro tear, tear away, right <laughs> tear away cop outfit <laughs> i'll do that you you just need to always carry around like an eight ball of cocaine or something so then they know that you're not a cop. The would, a cop be, would a cop be doing coke? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> right, all right, the right. time. Also the ultimate desert drug, cocaine. Who doesn't want to put something super dry <laughs> up their nose? And... All right, Hannibal Lecter masks. I might get one of these. Oh, this Iron Man mask is pretty great. Oh, by the way, did any of you guys uh, see or hear much about uh, Fantastic Four? I heard it was bad. It's it's the worst performing and worst reviewed superhero movie of all time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's like 8% of Rotten Tomatoes. It made like 20-some million opening well, The weekend. bottom's going to drop out. Yeah, you can't the, keep... There's it, so many. It's just I have superhero fatigue. I yeah, mean, I'm done with it. I mean... Like, even... Uh, what was the one that came out recently that was actually... Ant-Man? Oh, that's right. Yeah, and I was like, I, I just can't be bothered. Great. I yeah. saw it, and it was because my friend wanted to see it. I said, it was fun, but it's like, all right... Now is, yeah. Yeah, I got to watch ten more, and because right. they, and they're building towards whatever this movie that's going to have what fifteen characters in it. Right. It's going to be insane. It's well, just I, they already had scheduled Fantastic Four two those cocky bastards, and now I'm hearing they might be scrapping it because of how bad this is. But yeah, it's like we're adults. We don't always need to be. Yeah. <laughs> not to knock any listeners that are comic book fans, but like, come on, there's other things you can make movies about. It's like. If you told me when I was eight that I would have no interest in, like, the new Spider-Man movie, I would have thought you were insane. But it's like, I'm done. I can't I can't watch. The fact that there are Spider-Man movies out there that I haven't even seen. Yeah. I never would have believed that. It'd also just be nice to have a few more original films yeah. that have budgets. Right, mm-hmm. right. Like a first one of a front, like a new thing. Well, ironically, then you make one of those good things, and then they hire you to do... Like, the guy who directed Fantastic Four, they hired him because he did Chronicle. Right. Which was, like, a clever, good, original movie. And then they tried to put him like, you did that. Okay, now do Fantastic Four. And it's garbage. Like, well, maybe he can just make his own movies. Maybe that's what he should be doing. Hey, do we have this time for one more story? Corner. Sure. Uh, what do you want to do? I, there's, there's a brain dipstick. The brain dipstick sounds pretty fun. Let's do another. Are we doing too much brain stuff today? It's been, it's been brain heavy. Sure. But, you know, we spent last night damaging our brains. Yeah. Um, this is I'm another curious to know what a brain dipstick is. It's kind of what you think it is. Pretty much. Just, by the way, before I carry on with the story, I just want to check that a dipstick is the word used for it in America as well. Yeah, penis. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. 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 Um, um, so this is uh, a thing that you can yeah insert into your brain to check its energy levels, just like checking oil levels in a car. And uh, it's already available and can save lives, according to some neuroscientists. Um, the goal is to save brain tissue, said Elham Rostami of the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden. Uh, last month, she and 47, um, wait, is that a she? Elham? 
Rostami and 47 others published guidelines about how and when to use the technique known as brain microdialysis in the hope of encouraging more hospitals to adopt it. And the approach involves inserting a slim one centimeter long probe directly into the brain, and that measures levels of chemicals in the fluid that bathes brain cells, including glucose, which is the mains, the mains brain, the brain's main energy source. So when they use it to monitor the brains of people in intensive care after a stroke or head injury, it warns doctors if glucose starts to dip, which can cause brain damage. So it, it could theoretically monitor any molecule, but uh, they say the most useful parameters are glucose, which shows if there's a good blood supply, and uh, lactate and pyruvate, which are two metabolites that indicate if brain cells are using the glucose to release energy. Uh, although widely available, the device has so far been mainly used as a research tool rather than to guide treatment. Um, Rastami believes her use of the probe helped save a woman's life last year. The woman was in intensive care after a stroke involving bleeding on the surface of her brain. The probe revealed that although the bleeding had stopped, the woman's brain glucose levels have fallen, probably caused by other blood vessels constricting. In response, her team administered a drug to, re, uh, to boost her heart rate and send more blood to the brain. The probe then showed glucose levels beginning to rise, and within hours, the patient's condition had improved. She started responding to commands to squeeze my hand. It shows the probe's potential to be used as a warning system. Uh, so the approach involves drilling a hole in the skull, oh, then pressing the 0.6mm diameter probe into the brain tissue, which might seem drastic, but for seriously ill people, it might provide vital clues for spotting that their brain is about to suffer damage. Uh, people in intensive care are already hooked up to a host of monitors, which together keep track of numerous parameters, including heart rate and levels of glucose and oxygen in the blood. But finding out what's going on inside a person's head is much harder... An EEG can give a readout of the brain's electrical activity, while various kinds of scans can give a snapshot of its health, but a person in critical condition can't remain inside a scanner all day. The probe provides a means of obtaining frequent readings relatively easily. This just goes into my fear of having to have brain surgery someday, and when they do the kinds where they have to keep you awake. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's just like the most terrifying. I don't know how... I guess they must give you drugs to also calm you down so you're not just like, my head is open. Yeah. My head is open and you're touching my brain right now. Uh, this is interesting. They, uh, it's Risks aren't known yet because it's a very new technique, but there'd be no cases of the probe causing bleeding or damage to brain tissue. But to minimize potential problems, it's generally pl- placed on the right side of the brain. That's because the left hemisphere is usually more important for language. The left brain also controls the right side of the body and most people are right-handed. Uh, sometimes a second probe is placed near the original site of the injury to provide more information. So they shouldn't uh, trust... I think I've talked about how one of the main... Not one of the main... One of the many things I hate about Sex and the City is lazy writing. There was one episode when they had like the voiceover thing of Carrie and she was talking about, is the are we more guided by our left, more creative side of the brain or the right analytical side of the brain? I'm like, no, it's the opposite. That's you fucking idiot. And that's also kind of bullshit, but it's... Yeah, right, right. But I mean, yeah, in general, things that are associated with the right side of your body or the left side of your brain. Is it bullshit about the, the whole, like, spatial things and mathematical things being... Well, it's... it's- it's a massive generalization. No, it's definitely the left side of the brain is the side that deals more with language and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. But to, when people go like, I'm, re- I'm very right-brained or I'm very left-brained. Yeah. It's not really... It's like one of those 10% things. It's not... It's, I mean, it, yeah, it's, well, it's, it's bullshitty enough. It's hand-wavy enough. Because, I mean, people have lost entire hemispheres of their brain, right? And they've you can survive with half a brain. Well, I think your brain can... It's pretty adaptable in that you can right. get rid of a chunk of it other bits will start to pick up the slack. Or uh, sometimes uh, with the epileptics, they'll sever the... So it's 
uh, I forget the stem that 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 that's yes, that, that's that true. That is a procedure the they do. Yeah. So like I saw like they'll show a guy like an orange and like a bird, and then ask him to draw it, and he'll draw like a, it like combined like it's they can't process some things, and it's kind of interesting, but it keeps them from having. They sever the ties between the left and yeah, right yeah, sides. Yeah. Okay, that sounds a little like what the intention of the bot like what are lobotomies intended to do again? Because now they're just kind of like pseudoscience, right? Well, but, they, it was thought what the front lobe stored whatever and uh, demons, yeah, yeah something the, like that. So the, they just go little demon vent. And... Yeah, we've talked about that. We talked about the Rosemary Kennedy thing. Yeah. That's fucking terrifying. And tr- people still do trepanning as well, which is which. which That's thing? drilling a hole in your skull, which apparently makes you euphoric. <laughs> oh they do it to themselves or something. Yeah, like it's. It's not a medical... Th- I mean, like, sometimes you do. It, they do need to... Like, real doctors do it because there's swelling in the brain and it's release pressure. But people do it to themselves at parties. Festivals? Yeah, it's sort of... It's very niche, but it happens How still to this day. How does heal? You would think you would... If you just did it in an open setting, you'd just die, right? I mean, you'd think... Well, I think you, you stop before you get to the actual brain tissue. Oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'm not recommending yeah. it. I'm going to go on record here and say, listeners to the show, don't drill holes in your skull. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at um, some skulls they found from the Neolithic, Neolithic period of, of... There's some prehistoric evidence of this happening. Yeah. There's a skull with a giant hole, a golf ball-sized hole in it. That, that can't have turned out well. That guy loved a party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, yeah. Out of 120 prehistoric skulls found at one burial site in France dated 6500 BC, 40 had trepanation holes. That must have been, like, was it just a fad? It was like, you know, piling people into telephone booths in the 50s. Yeah, or I mean, like, before TV and stuff, what else are you going to do? Yeah, you're yeah, you're yeah. a caveman. And then Drill one person there. died of it, and then it got banned. Yeah. Like, the way, you, the way you talked about something being really good was saying, I need that, like, I need a hole in my head. Yeah, like, like, It's awesome. <laughs> right. And then, yeah, like, one, one kid, like, one kid who's on holiday in Europe... <laughs> comes back comes back trepa- <laughs> but then someone trepans a bit too far and they die and then that becomes a big story yeah. and that's like a cause for some prehistoric politicians always have always have a designated uh, tree panner <laughs> is that the verb tree panner tree panning yeah trep- trepanning trepanning do you think if you could get peer uh, peer pressured into drilling a hole in your head I mean if it's a small one yeah. I mean just like a little bit baby yeah. hole true if, true, I, saw true. Everybody, <laughs> you're if at, I saw everybody getting super yeah. euphoric yeah I'd go a little I'd go a little bit you're a burning man you don't want people to think you're a cop <laughs> just, <laughs> well a cop do this <laughs> get the auger <laughs> just one of those hand crank ones just like doing this on top of your head yeah <laughs> That sounds like something out of a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Really a holy, I don't know. It does. It does. There's a Hieronymus Bosch painting on the Wikipedia page for it, of course, showing someone not looking very euphoric as he's getting his head cut into. <laughs> it's looking more catatonic, but... Uh, oh, yeah, that looks fun. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the painting's called The Extraction of the Stone of Madness. Oh, this is from like fucking 14, 1500. Oh, yeah. People be, people be crazy. Yeah, but people, have you looked up present day trepanation? Oh, no, no. Let's see. It says, uh, Burning Man is a, no. (laughs) Hole in the head, modern day trepanation. (laughs) (laughs) It's taking a minute to load here. I trust you that it happened. Oh, I just backed out of it. Damn it. Backed out of agreeing to be trepanned? Yeah. Someone, yeah, uh, did it to try to cure their chronic fatigue syndrome. 
did she to be fair she injected local anesthetic first and then proceeded to drill into her skull and then she drilled too far and penetrated the membrane protecting her brain tissue um she lived but yeah it was after recovering from her diy surgery this woman named a uh, british woman named heather perry said I, c- I can't say the effects have been dramatic but they are there i generally feel better and there's definitely more mental clarity <laughs> Oh my god! If you take nothing else away from this episode, listeners, uh, uh, don't drill holes in your head and don't throw goats out of towers. Oh. Yes, <laughs> two things we cannot we cannot endorse officially, at least. What about drilling a hole into a goat's head? <laughs> That's fine. Is that okay? Oh, that happens at a different festival <laughs> in the next yeah. village. <laughs> I mean, legend has it that there was this one goat that used to give a lot of milk, and then his his head got a little bit too undrilled right. and it was great it was woefully undrilled yeah. <laughs> and then the priest drilled a hole and the village ate for a month yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so every year until one year when a bunch of um kai activists blocked yeah. the boat that had the drilling that was gonna go do drilling this goat's skull tied it all up with a with a really shitty ribbon that was very nice like I a really ratty mangled ribbon um, Jesse, where can our <laughs> listeners find out more about you and your work? Uh, uh, well, my website is down. I guess Twitter, Jesse Pop. Twitter at Jesse Pop. Excellent. And then uh, you can listen to my album on Spotify and iTunes. Do that. He is a we super should mention funny comedian. Pop has three P's. Yeah, P O P P. And I have a new album. I don't know what's coming out, but I just recorded my new album a few weeks ago. So. Oh, Excellent. nice. Where'd you record it? Uh, Union Hall in Brooklyn. Awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah. So. Um, Set up a Google uh, a alert and uh, it'll <laughs> should be out in a few months maybe. Nice. Uh, you can find us at probably science and probablyscience.com which is where we post links to all of the stories we cover. Mm-hmm. We will be at Podfest. Um, probablyscience.com is also where the donate button is, and we have a couple of people to thank. Yeah, we have people that have uh, recurring donations they've set up and one-offs. Um, Paulo Saez Navarro had his monthly donation come in. Since we last recorded, um, were there others? Yeah, there was a, there was a really generous one from. I don't know if we thanked him last week. I don't think we did. Shane uh, Lutke, it's very generous. Thank you, Shane. Shane of Chicago. Thank you. If you want to donate, go to probablyscience.com and click on the donate button. That is also where our Amazon link is. If you're shopping on Amazon at all, uh, maybe you're buying a tearaway cop costume mm-hmm. for a certain party next month. But uh, click on that link first and go through it. Costs you no extra. We get a little kickback. And if you're not able to donate, the other way you can really help us out is just spread the word. Tell people. If you enjoy us, let the world know. You can follow us also individually at Matt Kirshen and at Andy. You're at Andy, Andy T. T. Wood. Wood. And I'm and also going Jesse Case. Yes. Don't forget to follow Jesse as well. Um, and I'm going to be in Winnipeg for the Odd Block Comedy Festival, which that. is happening... Um, uh, the, the last weekend of God damn it! Now I got to look it up. I would also. I know we have uh, listeners in the South Bay and Silicon Valley. I will be at Rooster Tea Feathers in Sunnyvale. I'm going to be back there on the second weekend of September. That's the 10th to the 13th. So please come along and see me that weekend. And that will be at Odd Block, um, August 27th, 28th, and 29th. Again, that's in Winnipeg. Oddblock.ca. And then LA Podcast Festival, September 18th through 20th. So come say hi. So come say, uh, yeah, come say hi to Andy. Come say hi to me. Go uh, and see Jesse do a gig because he is very, very funny. Thank you. And Thanks for having me. Thanks, oh, for, thanks for coming. Me. We'll see you next week. Cheers, guys. Mm-hmm.